Welcome back to the Plug in America podcast. I'm Sherry Boshard, and today we're talking with Chelsea Sexton, one of the stars of the movie Who Killed the Electric Car, major character in my book, Plug-In Hybrids, The Cars That Will Recharge America, and currently the executive director of Plug-In America. Welcome, Chelsea. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, we want to talk today about the future. A lot of the focus so far has been on the past, you know, who killed the electric car and how did we get where we are today in terms of building the momentum for plug-in hybrids and electric vehicles. But I know our listeners often think, you know, well, where can I get one? So let's talk a little bit about what's on the horizon. What's one of the most optimistic things you see coming? Well, the most optimistic thing I see is actually that the automakers are all but falling all over themselves to try to show concepts and get in the news with themselves with plug-in cars. And obviously, ironically enough, GM has become the leader in this. They are the only major automaker that has announced plug-in vehicles, and they've actually announced two, the Saturn View, which is their current SUV. They're going to make it into a plug-in hybrid. Uh, and the Chevy Volt, and both of them are, are in the next couple of years. The Saturn View is for 2009, and the Chevy Volt is for 2010. So that's the most optimistic I, thing I see. Now, a lot happens between concept and showroom, so it's sort of incumbent on all of us to sort of keep on them and make sure they understand that people really do want to buy these cars in order to see them in showrooms. But in the wake of that, all of the other automakers, maybe Toyota accepted, have introduced things as well. So there's a lot of activity going on. It's just a matter of making it translate into cars on the road. Now, back in the 1990s, when you worked for GM around the EV1 electric car, at auto shows, you showed a plug-in hybrid version of the EV1 car. Uh, Is that correct? Yeah. How was the reaction to that? It was great, and I've actually noted that to GM, that it's taken us, you know, 10 years to come back and pick up where they left off. And and it's funny, because there are a lot of sort of, you know, grumblings about mistakes made, and I think they do sort of get it now. You know, it's one thing to understand it cognitively, and it's something else to actually act on it. And, and part of watching them, you know, the struggle is interesting. In some ways, the struggle makes them look more sincere, as they try to sort of embrace their past, and use the EV1 and the, the Chevy S10 and those programs as the reason they ought to be doing this. They were the leaders then. It makes sense they'd lead now, but at the same time they struggle with it because to embrace all of that raises more questions of why they kill it. So it's interesting to watch. I sort of liken it to you know a parent watching a child struggle. You know, they have to struggle. You know, you can't step in and say, let me show you how to do it, but it's still hard to watch. Right. Well, and, of course, there's the skeptics out there who say, it's all for show. If the California Air Resources Board doesn't rewrite the ZEV mandate, a zero-emission vehicle mandate, to require cleaner cars, all of this will be dumped and they'll go back to business as usual. What do you say to people who say, oh, they're just gaming us? Well, I mean, I think that we all have reason to be skeptical. And I usually say, you know, I'm going to judge them on what they do, not what they say, and ultimately I'll be happy when it's in my driveway. Um, But, you know, in the meantime, you have to evaluate you know, what's going on and the steps they are making. And I tend to to make my judgments not based on the press releases, but based on the people I know in these companies and the work they're actually doing and the the information they're actually providing. And GM, at least, has been a little bit open about what they're trying to do. And they've had these web-based battery briefings and different things, at least to try to bring the public in. And again, the fact that they don't know quite how to do it and they struggle with it is interesting to watch. But it's true. I mean, CARB does play a role as well. Uh, the mandate still exists, and unfortunately, electric vehicles have sort of been given short shrift in that for a number of years, and they're in the middle of that revision process. And so with the vote coming on February 28th, now is the time to write to CARB or call 
or write board members and that sort of thing and tell them exactly what you think ought to happen, whether it's electric vehicles be given parity with hydrogen. Currently, hydrogen cars get 10 times the credit of electric cars, which is absurd. We're also putting plug-in hybrids in for the first time in a really meaningful way, and we're really trying hard to make sure that happens you know, in a results-oriented, simplified way so we don't get bogged down in the weeds with plug-in hybrids the same way we have with other technologies. So now's the time for all of that to happen. But just as important, people have to let automakers know what they want to see so that regardless of what happens with CAR, we'll still ultimately end up with the cars. And listeners, if you want to take action, Plug in America has made it easy for you. Just go to PlugInAmerica.org and you can find two important things, a sample letter to the California Air Resources Board telling them to get the zero emission vehicle mandate right this time, and the phone numbers and emails, possibly, for all the major car companies. So you can let them know that you're not going to buy another car till it has a plug on it. So go to PlugInAmerica.org for those actions. Now, just to go back to plug-in hybrids for a minute, um, other companies in the last few months have uh, unveiled concept plug-in hybrids, the Volkswagen Up, the Volvo Recharge, um, Ford and Edison International have said they're going to be testing uh, 21 or so uh, Ford Explorer plug-in hybrids. Toyota has even said it's going to test you know, 9 or 10 plug-in Priuses, and they unveiled or are about to unveil a concept uh, plug-in hybrid called the High CT, a boxy, funny-looking thing. Mm-hmm. What is any of that real or, or encouraging to you? What's going on with all those? I think it's all encouraging. Uh, you know, a lot of it is in various stages. You know, Ford doing 20 Ford Escapes with Edison is cool. I think it'll gather a lot of data for you know how consumers actually use the vehicles and the the way that they're used and the way they interact with the grid and that sort of thing. Uh, whether it translates into cars available for people to buy is something different. Same things with these uh, with the concept cars. I mean, we're so used to going to auto shows and seeing these really cool concept cars and knowing for sure we'll never actually see them in our showrooms. So there's a lot of activity, but it's still that's why it's so incumbent on you know, people and consumers to vote not just politically but with their wallets and to call the car companies and say, this is what I want you to build, whether it's a plug-in hybrid or a pure electric vehicle, and even beyond that, whether it's a car or an SUV. These are the messages that the car companies need to hear. So the other thing that we're starting to see is actually a little bit of quiet development back on pure electric cars. Exactly. And that's, you know, very exciting. That's something I would have expected, you know, even a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think uh, at least two or three large car companies are medium-sized. Um, Subaru has talked about the G4e electric car, and Nissan has its funny little Pivo that uh, pivots 360 degrees mm-hmm. to the park, and Mitsubishi has been talking about the MIEV. Right. Um, where are all those at? Are those coming anytime soon? Well, at least Mitsubishi and Subaru have committed to actually building their electric cars. However, they've only committed to marketing them in Japan, so we need a little bit of you know, consumer interest and, and maybe a little political pressure to help get them over to the U.S. There are a couple of large car companies that are working on pure electric vehicles for the U.S. market, and they are you know, among the bigger car companies out there. But still, they need to see that encouragement as well, and it's tough sometimes. You have these rogue little teams within a car company that really wants to do something and sees the potential, but trying to convince the bean counters above them is a challenge. So, you know, we walk this line between, you know, beating them with a stick, but also trying to help and partner with them and, you know, help these rogue teams make the guys above them understand. I mean, there's a lot of translation that has to happen between the industry and the enthusiastic public because neither is completely trusting of the other. 
So the car companies that are working on electric vehicles for the American market, they're not doing that publicly yet, are they? They're not. Yeah. No, no, no. These are these are quiet developments. But what's interesting about all of these programs, whether it's you know pure electrics or plug-in hybrids, is because they're all in development. Now is the sweet spot. Now is the time yeah. to help affect them. So now is when they're deciding how much range they need to have and which body styles work the best and where to start marketing them and how much they should cost. I mean, now is the perfect time to help affect what these programs actually look like when we see them. And, and listeners, the only way we got to where we are now is because everyone spoke out and because Plug in America took some leadership in, in voicing the, the will of the people to get these cars back. There's a few small companies, too, that are charging ahead, not waiting for the large car companies like Tesla and the Think may be back, a Norwegian company. And mm -hmm. there's a couple that have been uh, around uh, waiting for uh, investors, the Tango, and I think AC Propulsion is converting uh, Toyota uh, Science to e-boxes. Um, right. Can people get those cars now? I mean, now how, how are those little businesses doing? Some of them are available. I mean, it's interesting because we love the Davids of the world, too, the Davids of this industry. And, you know, Tesla's been taking orders for about the last year. They're going to start actually giving cars to customers early next year, but they've already sold about 600, 700 cars. So you, if you place an order tomorrow, you wouldn't actually see a car for probably a year, maybe a little more. Uh, the e-box is a bit more available. AC Propulsion is taking orders for those as well. There's still a little bit of a wait because they're filling orders, but it's more of a few months than years. Uh, and then I know Think is, has raised uh, quite a bit of money and are trying to come back to the U.S. with those vehicles. They were wildly popular when they were here a few years ago under the Ford name, and so Think's coming back. But Think is the perfect example of a city car, and that's something that raises a little bit of, of hesitation here because there is no federal class for city vehicles. And so that's something that we're working around. There are some regulations that need to be finessed a little bit so that we can get more product here and answer the demand that's been existing for quite some time. And can you define a city vehicle? What does that mean? Sure. A city vehicle is, is basically referred to as one that goes maybe 55 miles an hour, isn't really freeway capable, but is more robust in styling and uh, powertrain than the neighborhood electric vehicles. So right now what we have are two classes, either a neighborhood electric, which is sort of like a golf cart, sometimes a little beefier, or something full performance, freeway capable, can do everything. And so the city cars fit nicely in the middle, but there is no class within the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration for those cars. So you can bring a certain number of them in under an exemption, but ultimately we need to create that class to make way for things like the Think City and the Riva and some of these vehicles that have a, a great niche purpose, but so far don't really have a place to go. And I certainly know they have a niche because the Think was my first electric vehicle and made me fall in love with driving on electricity. It sounds like it's going to take a lot of political action and lobbying and working with our elected representatives to uh, get a city class uh, um, city car class for vehicles, but that's part of what Plug in America is working on. Absolutely. There's no shortage of things for us to do. Yeah. So if, if the listeners want to support us and help get these vehicles on the road, what would give them one task they could do or one step that would get this on the way? Well, I think it's most important not for somebody to do a particular thing, but for everybody to do something. And so we try to help that by 
putting on our website at pluginamerica.org a number of different types of things. So you can call car companies. You can write letters. There, you can show up at an action and pick up a protest sign if you want to. We try to figure out something that anybody can do. And if you're really sort of an armchair person and really don't want to get involved in a number of these things, you can support financially us or other organizations that do what you believe in and are, are doing the work that you appreciate. So the best thing to do is simply to go to the website and just pick the thing that works best for you, but for everybody to do something. You've been listening to the Plug in America podcast with our guest, Chelsea Sexton, the Executive Director of Plug in America. Thanks for being with us, Chelsea. Absolutely. Thank you. This edition of the Plug in America podcast was produced by Sherry Boschert and edited by Joseph Fuentes with music composed by Red Bennett. The Plug in America podcast is supported by listeners like you. For more information, go to pluginamerica.org 